Hey, we are still on vacation, but we're taking this time to share some of our favorite episodes from the Black Baddie Bad Bitch Podcast Brigade. And I have a special guest today. The homie Diamond Styles from Marsha's Plate Podcast is joining me as we have this conversation about one of our favorite podcasts today. Hey, Diamond. Ow, hey. Ow, I gotta hey, say ow to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Queen had computer trouble so we wasn't able to record this morning but i wanted to make sure that we had this conversation about inner hope uprising because it's a podcast that we love and during this break we're kind of taking some time to introduce the bbb to our listeners even though we know some of y'all listen to all our podcasts i know that for me sometimes it takes somebody personally introducing me to a podcast to really like understand why i should bother to listen to it you know what i'm saying so right that's I'm gonna try to doing. I'm gonna try to do Queen Justice and do her little high pitched cackle, even though my, <laughs> <laughs> even though my voice is loud. <laughs> you know I can't do it. But, yeah. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> don't hurt yourself. I don't know if it can be done. I don't know if it can be done. But yeah, so Diamond is also a part of the uh, Bad Bitch Podcast Brigade. So that, for anybody who doesn't know, is our podcast collective, which includes our friends over at Inner Hole Uprising, Marsh's Plate, which is Diamond's podcast, Bag Ladies, Queer Walk, the podcast, and an honorable mention to our homegirl Juju over at A Little Juju Podcast, and our extended podcast family so this week we're sharing an episode of inner ho uprising podcast diamond can you tell us what inner ho uprising is inner ho uprising is a smart funny podcast about sex love and dating from four black feminist 20 somethings living in nyc and, you know, they just, uh, they're just so hilarious and informative. And I just love it. Mm-hmm. When did you first start listening to their podcast? Shit. Probably like six months before we launched. Was like oh, okay. Months. How'd you find them? I found them because I searched on SoundCloud because I mm-hmm. decided that that was going to be our hosting, <laughs> mm-hmm. our hosting for our podcast. And I searched Black Feminism. And it popped up. I like when the internet works. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? When your tags work. Right. When the internet works. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I found them probably a bit before that, but just like being on SoundCloud and trying to see what other black people are podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I remember me and Queen, I I, I think we started listening listening separately, and then we were both like, yo, are you listening to these hoes? Are you listening to what's going on over there? And it was so interesting. It was so refreshing. It was so, at the time, like something that we had never heard before in audio in that way. Like, at the time, it was Sam and her co-host Shanika, so two black women young talking about their experiences and like they were so free and open and saying shit that I was like how are they comfortable that makes you blush while you're listening yes <laughs> yes like how are they comfortable saying all of this shit like do they know we We're can listen- hear them <laughs> right <laughs> Right. And it wasn't it wasn't like shock value. You know what I'm saying? Like there were things they would say that I thought were shocking, but it wasn't like they were trying to shock me. It wasn't like the purpose of the content was to shock you. And that's what we're giving. We're giving shock. You know what I'm saying? It was like I'm telling a story. I'm creating a narrative. And 
if you are shocked by it, then that's a part of the process. But the they weren't leaning on shock. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I just when you're thought, talking to friends. It's like yes. when you're talking to friends. It's like if you there's a comfort level that's there, so you don't have to. It's not I'm saying it to entertain you. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about it, and you know how, bitch. You know how I get down. So mm-hmm. you know it could be I can be as open as I want to be. And so yeah, it's not about me shocking you. It's just about you know, bitch. Sometimes. My shit's wild. Sometimes my shit is regular degular. Mm-hmm. It was earlier in our podcasting career for me and Queen. So I was very like, oh, my God. What are they doing over there? <laughs> are they moms listening to this? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Do they know a nigga like me is listening? Like, what is happening right now? Are they aware of what's going on? Yeah. So that was that was really interesting. So right now. So, again, that's back when they first started. They had two two black women were hosting. Sam, who was still on the show. And Shanika was there, who's no longer on the show. But the current dynamics of the show is they have one principal host. Like I said, Sam is still on the show. That is her show. And she's on every episode. And they have three rotating co-hosts. It's their show as well. But each of these hosts are not always on the show. So the hosts are Akua. In addition to Sam, Akua, Rob, Rodeca, also known as Rebecca, and they do interview episodes. Sometimes it's just like two of the hosts on there and they do a really deep dive into a subject related to sex, love, and dating. And then they also have episodes with all four of them just shooting a shit and also talking about deeply personal shit. So that element of still like sharing these deeply personal stories that people can relate to is still there. And I like that every episode, like you don't like you don't know what you're gonna get it could be an interview where you learn mad shit it could be like okay we're talking about our sexual experiences but it is a really interesting riveting podcast we had them on the show actually episode 62 i'm not gonna link it in the show notes because i haven't listened back to it and i was so long ago in my podcasting experience that because i haven't listened to it yet i'm not mentally prepared for what's in there i don't remember what's in there okay I don't know what I said, but I know it's things that I said years ago that I don't say on the podcast anymore. So I don't know. I'm not going to link it. But it's episode 62. You had me at hoes. I love that title. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Because that's (laughs) that's how me and Queen found it. We're like, yo, are you listening to these hoes? We're like, listen, we're in. Okay? Mm-hmm. Inner whole uprising, that, we're that, fucking well, I mean, down with it. It's a perfect name. It's perfect. Yes, because we the all got a, we got a hole on the inside that is trying to uprise and uplift. Brilliant. <laughs> fucking brilliant so yeah so episode 62 i don't remember what year that was i want if i had to guess i would say 2016 if i had to guess but yeah so you can search that episode if you want and that is with sam and shanika and we had a really good conversation and i actually asked sam in that episode like how are you so comfortable talking about masturbating and shit and telling us the details of like your actual personal experience like is you okay and she <laughs> she said that sharing her experience, like she knows that there's somebody who can connect with it and she knows that she might be helping somebody. And like a light bulb went off in my head because we were, st- you know, we were on tea with Queen and Jay talking our shit and being comfortable and sharing stories to a point. But it was still certain things that I was like, I'm not telling you all that. <laughs> and so talking to Sam about this did, it made me a lot more comfortable and see the value in storytelling the way we storytell now because i really before just felt like what's the purpose in me telling you niggas my business you know so i i she put it in a context for me to understand the value in like telling stories and i know you have been doing that for a long time telling us your personal business so what (laughs) (laughs) 
it, I, it's, it's therapeutic. First of all, it's therapeutic. Right. So it's, for anyone who doesn't know, we, and we talked about Diamond last week on the podcast, <laughs> you have been a YouTuber. You low-key, high-key famous. So you've been telling the world your business for a long time. So yeah, yes. about 12 years of content. Okay, so what's yeah. that about? That's it's it. I literally started as a journal. I, was, I had moved to Houston recently at the time that mm-hmm. I had done it. And I just wanted to, you know, start just kind of recording something. I seen people on YouTube and I was like, oh, ain't nobody telling a black trans experience, especially a hood mm-hmm. black experience. I heard so, so much of white girl. So I just put it on there and it started to just be a journal. And then other people, because I was being so real, was resonating with it. Right. And so like, that's exactly what, what Sam is talking about. I totally feel that if you, mm-hmm. it's just something about somebody with no barriers, no guard, just talking mm-hmm. about their experience, even if you haven't experience exactly what they did usually is something that's going to be relatable and right. if you are creating content if you start creating it with an intent what's the point if you're not moving people and Facts. so you know to Facts. me that my my real story instead of a fake story or talking about somebody else's story was much mm-hmm. much more moving and riveting and so it connected with much more people and so that's definitely, what it was definitely well i get it now girl because <laughs> <laughs> you know when you have a, a specific generation it's uh-huh. house business is house business yes <laughs> yes i'm like do you know that i can hear you like do what do your parents know where you are right now okay please i started this podcast and i would you know we would curse on the podcast or whatever yo you would have thought that I was, my dad acted like I was laying on the freeway, like with my vagina exposed. Like he really, he really acted like I was out here laying it low, spreading it wide for the wow. world on <laughs> public television. Okay, it was a whole thing. My mother always is recipes, mom, but mm-hmm. she she always is like, you just tell all your abuses. You ain't no shame. <laughs> And she was like, and you always been like that. She was like, when you was a kid, you just would say the most open shit and would not be embarrassed. You could fall and be embarrassed. And she was like, you know, that's just you. And so I know when I get on this thing with you, you're going to be telling all my business and your business. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely this value in it. And that's a part of why I love podcasting so much. Because we're sharing our stories, because we're telling things we might not normally tell and say, and because we're sharing with people, it's going to resonate with somebody and and that person needs it you know what i'm saying like people need to hear that there are other people experiencing the world in the way they are and they do it with so much care inner Mm -hmm. always for me when when i'm listening to them it's you can tell that these people care about their listeners they care about the information that they're giving you Mm -hmm. they care that it is the, the integrity of this is what we we went and looked and seen if this is true or if this is right. not true. What mm-hmm. are some facts behind this truth? What they do that all the time and it always amazes me and it just shows that yeah we are uh, we're gonna tell you the truth and it's gonna be blunt and da da da. But we also care about you enough to give you the real shit. So right, I love it. Right, right. To your point of care, sex is such a vulnerable topic. People are exposing their vulnerabilities and shit. It's a very sensitive topic. A lot of people have trauma surrounding sex. Even the most quote unquote banal sexual experiences, there are people who have trauma from those experiences. And so it's really important to enter these conversations with care and they're able to do it in a way that is still careful. It's intriguing and it's not um, it's not clinical 
to the point of like, well, I'm not interested in this anymore because we're getting too clinical or whatever. Like, it's just really, really well done. Let's get into the host of the podcast. So it is four people. And the first person is the producer extraordinaire principal host is going to be Sam, Sam Riddell. Pronoun she and her is the podcast producer and documentary videographer from Queens, New York. Her work centers sexual health, queer black feminism, science, social justice, all that kind of good stuff that we know and love her for. She is trained in both documentary filmmaking and sketching improvisational comedy. She is the principal host of the show and just leads it like like, like she just knows what the hell she's doing. She also mm-hmm. is the internationally award-winning producer that produced in those genes. Sam is funny. She's a science ass bitch. She just is uh she's just perfect to lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is fantastic. And Sam is for the most part on every single episode of the show and she does a fantastic job. Then we have Akua. Akua uh pronouns she her Akua is a licensed mental health counselor by day where she helps her clients improve their mental health from an intersectional approach. Fittingly, she holds interest in the intersections of race, culture, gender, sexuality, and mental health. Above all, though, she's a full-time single mother who is focused on positively contributing to the next generation of radical babies. So Akua regularly comes on that show. She comes through with mental health expertise. She's really good at grounding the conversation and putting things in context. Akua is an awesome host. Who do we have next? So we have Rob. They are an agender firefighter with a background in psychology and biology. They also are in the army and can kill your motherfucking ass. That's right. <laughs> they are also uh, NYC-based artists with work that embraces femininity, nudity, and the power of the black voice. And they are the god <laughs> of plants. That's right. <laughs> they will get the your plants together plants. as we learn Facts. through this crazy panorama. <laughs> Facts, facts, facts. Rob is awesome. Rodeca is a fat, black, pansexual femme. On the episode, she talks a lot about navigating her relationships, navigating... I don't know if she uses the term polyamory. I am honestly not sure what term is specific for Rodeca's experience, but she frequently talks about dating multiple people, having a primary partner, and navigating like that world of going to sex parties, being in a relationship navigating that shit with your partner and that has been a really interesting journey to listen to yeah episodes with her telling all her business once again (laughs) those i be into because i'm kind of uptight about i'm very possessive i want to be this is mine this is my man Mm -hmm. i'm that person so i want to be more open to that kind of um coupling so hearing her talk about it i'll be like Oh my God, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> but I love to hear it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> that is funny. When I'm really comfortable with somebody, I could go to a sex party. I don't want to be touched. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I could go, I could hang out, I could mingle, me and my partner could watch things, you know what I'm saying? Of course, if that's if that's okay within that party space or whatever, that's where I'm at with it. But I have to be really comfortable, of course, with my partner, whoever I go with or whatever. I've hosted them. I've been to them and I've hosted oh. them. And I've I, I never done it with a partner. I've been hired mm-hmm. to, you know, be a part mm-hmm. of it. But with a partner, I don't know. I don't, I don't like cheering. <laughs> but, but you could know, you I'm, go with a partner to watch could you go with a partner to watch or to be watched definitely not be watched i'm too dysphoric for that okay. um but i think i can go watch i think i can go watch i think i'm more yeah yeah i can watch i can watch okay. definitely okay. yeah that All would right. be interesting and maybe participate just not everything Hmm, okay, <laughs> look at the list is expanding. It's growing. All right. So yeah, so those are the four hosts of Inner Hole Uprising podcast. It's important to remember that not all of the hosts are women. I think that's a common and frequent mistake that people make. So every episode, they introduce each other. They introduce who's on the show and their pronouns every week. So if you're still somebody who's struggling to keep up with people's pronouns, they do you the favor of reminding you who is there and what that particular host is about each episode. So please definitely be mindful of that and use your listening ears when addressing that show. So what are some of your favorite episodes? Oh, gosh. So there's one. I'm going to mention this because this one, actually, I really feel like this changed my life. (laughs) Really? really Yes. This one, I'm going to bring, every time I talk about inner home, I'm going to bring this up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's called Sex, Romance, and Disabilities, and it features Kim Oliver. I, I cannot express to you how blind I was to disabled things. And I think because mm-hmm. I'm a trans woman, I always, you know, I'm always trying to battle transphobia that I'm not right. always thinking about other experiences. And that episode, the relatability to Kim, the relatability, just how our experiences paralleled and mirrored each other. Mm-hmm. And then I had commented and we got in contact with each other. Me and Kim stayed on the phone for five damn hours. Oh my God. Just like comparing. That is a long distance call. Yes. Kim's in the UK. <laughs> she's in the UK. <laughs> and I, it just was so wild how our experiences paralleled each other. She gave me not only so much insight on, you know, the disabled experience, mm-hmm. but also how it intersects with blackness and how that parallels with how transness intersects with blackness and how those two experiences really reflect each other in this culture that Mm kind of sees us as expendable and can throw us away and not see us as black excellence. So it just was such an amazing, riveting conversation. And then it just extended by us, me and Kim becoming friends. And so Mm -hmm. it just was, uh, I just appreciate them for introducing me to her and then you know just it was such a powerful one i love that and that's a really good example of the kind of interview style episodes that they do i think that they are all really fantastic at getting to getting to people's stories you know what i'm saying asking people to dig deeper asking follow-up questions just the way that they conduct interviews are just really smart and uh, as we said these niggas are uh 
unreasonably ethical and uh, have a lot of integrity. Another one is speaking of integrity and how mm-hmm. their interview style. Herpes isn't the end of the world. Mm. That episode was powerful as fuck. As somebody who grew up in the LGBT community in the nineties, diseases, particularly STIs, were mm-hmm. were kind of just stuffed down your face. This is bad. You don't talk about it. It's shameful. It's just all these things that um the shame around it and to have this conversation had so openly and honestly and with integrity and with tenderness and the the guest was so real and the questions were so honest and the questions were so um, thoughtful. It just mm-hmm. was an amazing experience to hear somebody openly talk about um, herpes in that way that I had never heard anybody talk about really any disease in that kind of just open, like, hey, we, we're going to talk about it. Right. And so I thought it was super, super powerful. That's fantastic. I love how they also talk about something that I think is because we live in such a cis heteronormative society, I think that there are so many sex podcasts that are so cis heterocentric, unless we are talking about, you know, introducing a another woman into the bedroom or whatever you know what i'm saying like that's allowed but outside of that i think a lot of the conversations that happen about sex are very cis heteronormative and anything outside of that is added for shock value you know what i'm saying and so i like that inner hall uprising is i would call it queer centric but it really is i think just incredibly inclusive of everyone you know what i'm saying it just feels queer centric i think to me because everything else is so fucking super straight you know what i'm saying so fucking dripping in heteronormativity that like when we see something that is wild inclusive of everybody when we see something that looks at the experiences of all people with all different genitals and all different gender experiences and all different sexuality sexual experiences it seems to be like okay well this is queer centric but it really is just a super inclusive fucking podcast on sex love and dating wherein many of the other podcasts about sex love and dating are extremely exclusive you know what i'm saying but speaking of heteronormativity um (laughs) they did they did actually do an episode another episode you mentioned earlier that you thought was really interesting but it just it just reminded me because this was one of the episodes where they had a quote-unquote straight couple it just reminded me how so much of their podcast is so inclusive but what was the episode this episode that you oh um, it's called decolonizing marriage and it featured Mm -hmm. um a podcast couple danny and cleo Mm-hmm. And, you know, I everybody has, well, I won't say everybody, but I had this fantasy about marriage growing up, about mm-hmm. what it should look like, what it should be like, how it's supposed to be, da, 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 da. And hearing them talk about going through and their process of going through opening up their marriage, mm-hmm. what led to it. All the things that they do as a couple in regards to being podcasters, it was just an interesting conversation. I remember <laughs> one of the one of the conversations they were talking about how he brought up opening the marriage, the guy, or how he brought it up, <laughs> and in the time that he brought it up first, she had kids she was uh, lactating because i got these babies these toddlers Mm -hmm. and at that time you bring it up bro get that bullshit out of here it's too much going on you talking about i got all this mommy stuff going on and your ass is bringing in babies and trying and we we raising babies and your ass Mm -hmm. is trying to bring in other chicks 
you is not about to stress me out, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was interesting, but she said it was it wasn't like he came rude. He just it just was the wrong timing. Mm-hmm. But it opened up the conversation, and then it led to us having some balance like i can go play with people he can go play with people we don't bring nobody to the house but and we don't really talk about it unless we just Mm -hmm. need to but we just have fun and having this balance of understanding and the openness was just a new experience exactly why i said you know i like Mm -hmm. rebecca shit Mm -hmm. but it's it's just it's just a whole different idea of freedom when it comes to marriage so I thought it was a beautiful conversation. Yeah, no, I, I definitely love that episode. And I love uh, Danny and Cleo. And I think this story is so interesting because they got married young partially because of their, I want to, I, I believe they're Christian. Their but religion just like, right. Just a lot of like the, I don't know if I would call it so fundamentalist, but like a lot of hardcore religious shit leads to like getting married early. And so in a lot of those relationships, you kind of end up growing with your partner in ways that, you know, for those of us who have been single into adulthood, it's just a different experience. I always think it's cool when they start to like open up and experience the universe and the world around them or whatever, like as a couple. So that was definitely a super cool episode. We're going to put the links to those three episodes of Inner Hut Uprising in the show notes. The one we're going to play today, actually. What's your favorite? Well, those are all fantastic. I really love, I have a soft spot in my heart for the first season of the podcast because I, I just remember being like, what are they doing? Like, I just remember <laughs> that feeling. And it was just, I was just so impressed with them and the work that they were doing. So I'm not like that feeling is that's, I'm never going to have that feeling again or whatever. So I have a really soft spot spot in my heart for that and the way they talked about things. And I think that all of us, when you're a different bitch in your twenties than you are like later in life. And I think that there's a vulnerability there and a learning there. And I think listening to Sam and Shanika be so young and discovering things, learning things, be open about things or whatever, uh, learning in public. It was just something really cool about that. And so what I would suggest if you listen to the podcast is to maybe listen backwards or go backwards or start with the most recent season and work your way back because it's like good, juicy shit in there. And I think that with all of our podcasts in the BBB, as people committed to dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism, when you listen back to old episodes, you will hear us say shit that we don't say anymore because we are learning and growing and shit like that so i just want to give a content warning for that you may hear us use language that you know that we know is problematic today but it was three years ago and that's what we were saying three years ago you know what i'm saying so i just want to give a content warning for that but there is value and i think something really cool about hearing the journey and hearing topics that we covered before that maybe now when we cover it we kind of cover it with this understanding that it's been covered before it's been discussed already so i think those are really cool i like a lot like hearing about their personal business and I like a good I like a good guest but I really do they are smart ass niggas so sometimes the conversation gets away from sex love and dating and they they get like all nerdy about like some other shit I like when we're here and we're talking about sex love and dating that's the shit that I like you know what I'm saying give me the sex love and dating I like that shit but I like them I like the show so I'm really I just listen to every episode I just fucking enjoy it sometimes I have to listen twice because the information be so dense or whatever but like the Asian the stop Asian hate one the one when oh yeah oh that one I had to listen to that like twice because it was so much information and so stuff 
that was stuff good. That, I didn't that know. was good. So yeah, good. they are one of the awesome things I think about our collective is that we can be really intense and smart about shit and detailed and information dense, and then we can also like get silly and laugh and have a good time and be talking shit. So I think Inner Hall Uprising really encapsulates like that ability to be here giving like dense, informative episodes. And then also I went to a sex party the other day and there was mad food and we were stuffed like that kind of, you know what I'm saying? Balance of like fun and silly and dense information. What do you feel about the changing dynamic of the host when it's a different host that's hosting because it's for them and they and each one of them together has a very different energy but i know that when i'm listening i can i still can enjoy it with each mm-hmm. one of them based on where the mixture, who is with yeah. Sam that week. How do you I feel like, about that? I like that because they are all friends and have been friends since I think some of them before high school and some of them like during high school. I like hearing Sam in her friendship with each one of them individually. Like, so they'll have episodes where it's all four of them together and they'll have episodes where Sam and just one of the other co-hosts, right? So I like hearing when she's on with with uh, Rodeca and they are like in a deep nerd dive that only these two niggas would do okay <laughs> there's no other combination of niggas that's going to do this deep nerd dive and that though, honestly those be the episodes where I'm like wait are we still talking about sex? Like what? (laughs) What is happening here? So I think that, and for me, sometimes I really love whatever. I'm like following it. I'm in the nerd shit. And then at a certain point, I'm like, all right, we're, we're way deep in this nerd hole, but I know it's someone else who those are their favorite episodes. You know what I'm saying? I like when Sam and Akua get into their bag and really, they also have another way of like, because Akua is there putting things in to fucking therapeutic context and shit and the you know interpersonal dynamics of things i like that and sam is also really good at that it's different it's a different Mm -hmm. when she's there with a different one of the co-hosts it's a different episode i like when the energy shifts and it's her and rob and they've been this is my nigga for a really long time and the energy is in in my opinion the energy is a little bit more masculine you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying and both of them are leaning into that in in those conversations so I really love it. I think I like hearing them all together. I think that's what makes it like so fun because you never know exactly what you're going to get on each episode. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's really cool. This particular one that we're sharing today is called 50 Fine and Fucking. So this is an interview episode and they have a special guest, Melissa, who's also an avid listener of the BBB. So shout out to that. But yeah, so shout out to Mel. So Mel is on this episode. Mel, I think at the time of recording, I want to say she's 52. And as we mentioned, the hoes are in their 20s. So for me, it was good to hear this intergenerational conversation about sex, love and dating. So as we mentioned, like it's a lot of different, they cover a lot of different subjects. They'll interview lots of different people. And to me, in addition to the fact that they're talking to Mel about like her life experience, 
experience as a woman of 52 years old, as somebody who has navigated sex, love and dating, you know, throughout. I think she grew up in the 70s and 80s and, you know, was a young person in the 90s. And like it was interesting to hear that. But also, I think that there is something awesome about listening to a regular, regular, schmegular black woman just talk about their experience with sex, love and dating. It doesn't always have to be a fucking dominatrix. It doesn't always have to be somebody who specializes in butt plugs. Like sometimes like there is so much value in just hearing regular niggas tell their stories that I really enjoy just hearing what it was like for Mel being a young black girl who I know her mom had her at a young age. So there was always this stigma attached to, okay, well, what's going to happen to Mel now? Is Mel going to become a teen mom? And like the energy that surrounded that, the energy that surrounds how we treat young black girls everywhere, what it's like for us to go to the doctor. You know what I'm saying? What it's like for us to come into our sexuality. Are we allowed to come into our sexuality? You know what I'm saying? And how that type of shit follows us throughout. So Mel is on the show talking about her dating experiences she's talking about navigating marriage divorce side relationships which i'm just using that as a turn of phrase but i don't even know if i believe in like side relationships but y'all know what i'm saying having children like all of that stuff but within the context of sex love and dating and so i really loved that i really loved i think a lot of us assume that when you hit a certain age like you're not thinking of sex anymore you're now desexualized you're not thinking about it we don't want to talk to you about sex anymore we don't care what kind of sex you have so it was really or the the stigma i would say the idea the ways that in which we treat older people and talk about older people and the conversations that i usually have with older women sometimes they can be on some like real didactic ass shit like they're trying to it's always i'm trying to give you you give you young girls a lesson and trying to teach you something instead of just Bitch, just tell me what you've been through, ho. Right. Like, tell me, tell me some feelings. Tell me what you're still working through right yeah. now. Tell me, yes. you know, stop acting like you done learned everything and at 50, that's, 60. This that's exactly regular. what it was. It was women. That's who was on the show that day. It was Sam and Akua. So it was women talking to women. You know what I'm saying? On the show about their experiences. And I thought that was so, it was just so valuable. And I think for a lot of us, we don't realize it, but we really kind of stick within our age group. And those are the people who we talk to. And so that's all the information we have. That's we're here swapping the same ideas from our same generation. And that's really not how we get things done. You got to talk to people who's younger than you. You got to talk to people who's older than you or else you end up, oh my gosh, me and Queen was just joking about this the other day, but like how they say the same age that you went to prison that's the same age you you come out you know what i'm saying it'd be like that for bitches who go to college too the same age you was when you got your degree at that pwi you acting like that same bitch right now at fucking 40 years old and it's whack you know what i'm saying and so like if we're not exchanging in these like intergenerational ideas if we're not talking to each other like we matter the people older than us the people younger than us then we're not gonna fucking learn anything still holding on to that black lip liner (laughs) thank you tell it tell it you gotta tell it okay but anyway that's a part of why i love this episode so much i love that yeah i just i love that mel is there i love that she's on this podcast talking about sex and is again not a dominatrix, a regular, regular, schmegular black woman navigating life. And, you know, I think sometimes when we hear people older than us talk about real life shit, we're surprised. 
Because like, oh, wow, you lived a real life? This happened to you? Like, yeah. yeah. So I think there were a lot of moments like that. And I really love that episode. Be sure after you listen to this episode, if you enjoyed what you hear, if you enjoy the Inner Hall Uprising that we share, be sure to follow them on whatever podcast platform you listen to your favorite podcast. Again, that's Inner Hall Uprising. And then be sure to follow them on Instagram and Twitter. They're on Instagram at Inner Hall Uprising with the G on the end, Inner Hall Uprising. And they're on Twitter at Inner Hall Uprising with no G. Um, so be sure to follow them. If you enjoy this episode, you can tweet T with Queen and Jay. Let us know and be sure to tag Inner Ho Uprising. Diamond, thank you so much for hanging out with me and talking about our friends at Inner Ho Uprising. Uh-oh. And everybody knows where you can find Diamond Styles. I'm going to put Diamond's information in the show notes, but let us know real quick where we can follow you on social media. You can follow me, Diamond Styles, spelled, Diamond spelled the regular way, style spelled S-T-Y-L-Z. Um, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm always down to do anything you want me to do. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I love and I love talking friends. about the hoes. The hoes are my yes, favorite. Yes, <laughs> we love Inner Ho Uprising. All right, enjoy the episode. This episode of the Inner Ho Uprising is sponsored by you. That is right, you. All of your Patreon donations, PayPal donations, five-star reviews on Apple and Stitcher, shout-outs on social media, articles, mentions to your friends, IHU merchandise purchases all make this show possible week in and week out. Thank you very much, homies. This episode of the Inner Hall Uprising is also available for your viewing pleasures on YouTube. If looking at people while they podcast is your thing, then you can click the YouTube link in our show notes and gaze along as we talk our shit. Inner Hall Welcome to the Inner Hall Uprising, the podcast about sex, love, and dating from the perspective of me, Sam, one black, non-monogamous, pansexual, feminist hoe who lives in New York City and whose pronouns are she and her. And Akua, pronoun she and her, who is a hoe that's almost vaxxed and waxed. Okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> Cool. Every episode of the Inner Hall Uprising works like this. Myself and my lovely rotating co-host talk about sex, love, and dating as it pertains to current events in the world, our lives, and yours. And occasionally we hit you with interviews with insightful folks or do deep dive episodes on a topic of our choice. This episode, we're talking all about sex, love, and dating in the lives of people from Generation X a.k.a. Generation Sex. This is what we're calling it on this episode. <laughs> what call it? <laughs> what is it like fucking at 50 and beyond? We'll be joined by a very special guest to answer that question and much more. And if you would like to follow this conversation had on this podcast on social media, you can do so by using the hashtag in a whole uprising so that we can see it in the hashtag pod and so other people can see it. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can do so at In A Whole Uprising without the G on Twitter, at In A Whole Uprising with the G on Instagram and Facebook. You can also join our Facebook group by searching In A Whole Uprising Community. That is C-U-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y. And head over to InAWholeUprising.com to pay a hoe. Cool. Uh, and if you want to pay us to speak virtually at your school or conference about sex positivity, black feminism, podcasting, or other kinds of topics we discuss on this here show, or if you'd like us to host a consent, pleasure, or dating virtual workshop for your organization, we would love to to book us. You can send us a line to ihupodcast at gmail.com. So excited to get into the actual episode, so much so that, you know, I have the little drops for the episode or whatever, but I have a special drop for this uh, for this guest. So let me pull it up really quick. 
It might sound familiar, but this is what we're going for for this segment. Grandma! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a hoe? <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I love it. So that's normally what we use for our whole of the week segment, but we're using it for our fuck it segment, the topic of the day, because today we're speaking to, well, we're speaking to a member of Generation X, aka Generation Sex, with our guest, and today's guest is Melissa, aka Mella Ho, whose pronouns are she and her. Melissa is an over 50 granny with a plump fanny, still wiggling in a size medium, exploring online kink when she should be at hedonism, sipping on Mai Tais, no thanks to COVID. Welcome, Melissa, aka Mella Ho. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so thank delighted. Thank you for writing in. Here. Yeah. Thank you for pitching yourself to be a guest. I'm, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like this will just be us chronicling your life because we just want to know. Come with it. About the whole trajectory. Come um, with it. Let's, <laughs> um, let's start with where and when did you grow up? I grew up in Virginia. A uh, little town called Franklin, Virginia. I was actually born there, uh, adopted there by the time I was two years old. Um, I was conceived around 1967, born 1968, and was a part of a secret, a real deep secret for 52 years of my life. And at 52 years... Wow. That's a whole different backstory. Yeah. So sex, love, and dating started in 1967. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Yes. That's... That's very interesting, and that's like a whole different backstory. Yes. I have a similar story in my family, not presenting to myself, but like one of my relatives. Mm-hmm. And it seems like people who were conceiving in the 60s had to do some secret things. Yes. Family members were not informed that other family members existed. Mm-hmm. Whose mama? Then you got who's, Sam popping up like, mm-hmm. hey, yo. Whose daddy blood. is who? And yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Very interesting. I mean, the siblings you may have out there. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what I found out beginning of 2020, that I had seven siblings. How did you find yeah. that out? <laughs> Ancestry.com. Me too. <laughs> Wait, we gotta we actually gotta do a whole different secret families podcast. Yes. We gotta do a yes. Ancestry be spilling the tea. Like yes, they do. <laughs> they be spilling all us black folks tea. <laughs> oh man. Is it yes. good vibes with said family? I, yes. I, okay. I I I I am so happy to have met them. Um, and you know, we got that done before COVID, um, the lockdown started and it's been a pleasure. Um, I am the oldest, Mm. so that's great. (laughs) (laughs) And I always wanted sisters. And so that's wonderful. And it's five girls Mm. and two boys. Mm. Well, men Mm -hmm. now, but yeah. So I, I have sisters, I have little sisters and it is wonderful we FaceTime each other and 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 um they all live in different parts. I the one that found me actually lives in Nebraska. So she opened up a whole world for me because I was like, black people live out there. Because <laughs> I was like, Well, are you bi- biracial? Maybe, maybe he was with a white woman. You know? 
She said, no, I'm black. <laughs> My mother's black. So, wow. yeah. yeah. Black people. Shout out to the black people in Nebraska. In Nebraska. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Yes. I'm glad that y'all all linked up and all yes. that. Yes. Yes. Um, so I guess this is a question that would obviously pertain to then your adoptive household. Mm -hmm. What was the climate like in your household when it came to sex, sex education, consent, healthy relationships and all that kind of stuff? None of that. Um, my adopted mother, very sweet woman, God rest her soul. Um, she, you know, it's a typical mother parent. Um, I was a teenager in the eighties. So she was typical. She went to church. We went to church every Sunday. And as far as sex was concerned, she would always say to me, you know, I know you're going to do it. And I was on birth control pills since probably the age of 13. Um, but make sure you protect yourself. But then again, really don't do it. Just just try to stay away <laughs> from it. Don't do it. Because, yeah. Eh. I feel you just gonna mess yourself up. <laughs> that that was the tone, and uh, and I could understand that once I got to be an adult myself and having my own children, and I had my first child at eighteen, I could understand where she was coming from, you know, hmm. um, because of the trauma that happened in her life, um, because we as black women still to this day are going through medical trauma with doctors not really caring about our health. Um, and in the 60s, she had a full hysterectomy, which she probably just had fibroids. Mm. She didn't, didn't even know why she had that hysterectomy before she was like 19 years old. And that's wow. why I was adopted, because she couldn't wow. conceive children. Which was a blessing for me. I mean, it was bad for her because she loved kids. She loved kids. But it was a blessing for me that yeah. she couldn't have children, so she adopted me. Yeah. You know? That's that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, lately when it comes to just, like, Black history. Like, mm -hmm. sometimes I think slavery never should have happened. <laughs> but then I'm like... My parents would have never met. <laughs> and I wouldn't be here. And I love those people. It's such a, like, tough history it, it is dealing with the the trauma and the love at once yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and especially when you if you start going down that rabbit hole in ancestry and starting to look at your ancestors and their lives and it's like damn they really fuck with us I'm, can i curse oh, <laughs> they really <laughs> they really fuck with us bad you know like yeah oh do you think that that was a part of, like, I mean, you were getting at this earlier, but, like, with your mom being so mistrustful, like, was it also her history with, like, men or just her own miseducation when it comes to sex where it was just like, uh-uh, I don't have the tools, I don't want to talk about it? Um, Yeah, definitely. She married pretty much right after that hysterectomy. As, you know, because she only told me, like, kind of bits and pieces of what happened. So, but she was married young and that's just what they did. That that was something they did. You get married. You you want to have a family and cook and clean and all the domestic things that they said women should do back then. And my mom was all about it. She was very domesticated. And she 
not having the education, like I said, even about her own body. Like, why are you giving a woman a full hysterectomy when she probably just has a fibroid? You know? And like I said, with with growing up very religious and in a society with that, it forms a society that says having sex before you're married is just not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And then me coming from um, a woman who had sex, obviously, before she was married, um, before she even finished high school, you know, well, we don't want that same thing to happen to you. You know, so it, it, she wanted to be open. I could, I could tell, but she didn't want to be open either. And then sometimes I didn't want her to be open. Like, I don't want to talk to you about that. Like when I got my period, I was like, I don't want to discuss this. Why is this happening to me? I was a football kid, you know, (laughs) running around playing with the boys, playing with race cars, playing football. And I'm going tits now. I'm going (laughs) hair down there. And, and, and now I'm having a period and like, I got to be a girl? Like, why? Like, (laughs) this is wrong. Yeah. So, Uh and and so when she started to have a conversation, like, how are you doing? Um, um, Did you count on the calendar? How many days until your next period? And, you know, what kind of pads do you prefer to use? And I'm like, well, I just don't really want to talk about that right now. You know? (laughs) Because even when I went to... um, get birth control pills. It was my aunt's brilliant idea. At 13 years old, I had not started having sex, wasn't considering having sex. I came from a mother who had a child by the time she was 17. And I played with boys so much. Like, that's just what I did. It was fun. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. Um, their fear was that I was going to get pregnant. You're talking about your birth mom had you before she was 17. Yes, because they okay. knew her. They knew her. I Got was like you. an inter-family. I'm sorry. Let me clear it up. I was an inter-family adoption, but I was legally okay. adopted by the law. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And so yeah. they placed that on you like, yeah. her mom was fast. She going to be fast. Yeah. Quote unquote. There you go. Gotcha. That fast word. Mm, fast <laughs> ass girl. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, with her playing around all them boys all the time, you know, she developing that little plump butt. Back there, you know, mm-hmm. they gonna start feeling on or whatever. She gonna get pregnant, so we gotta get her some birth control pills. So you taking a thirteen year old girl to a clinic, first of all, that don't give a damn about her, a public clinic in the south, and giving her a pap smear with a metal object. Okay, I scream bloody murder. My aunt told me she could hear me out in the lobby because my aunt took me. My mother was at work, and. I was very embarrassed and I felt shameful. I was like, I'm sorry, you know, I made so much noise. But then I look back at it like, I should have screamed bloody, but I was 13 years old. I never had sex before. You sticking that thing up my vagina. (laughs) No idea what was going on. With probably no explanation. Yeah. It's a very, it's an intense, first pat man is a very intense, invasive procedure. And they don't be, they don't be telling you what's about to happen. They just be doing. Yes. Yes. Mm. They weren't very friendly, you know, mm. and, and talking to me. And, and even when I went back times before um, for like regular checkups, they just, it still hurt. I mean, mm. that thing hurt 
probably all the way up until I was like 17. And to have this nurse say to me, well, his, um, you were able to take his dick, weren't you? Like, what? <laughs> what nurse said that? <laughs> yes, it was a, a nurse that was in the, the room. When, when, because doctors always would have nurses in there, because the doctors were normally male back then. I never, I didn't have a female doctor, a gynecologist, mm-hmm. till I was probably in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And he had stepped out of the room for a second because it, it just was not, I, I, I was squirming too much. I probably was about 15 by then. Mm-hmm. And that's what she said to me. Like, what is the problem? You, stop, you don't scream like that when he puts his dick in you. And I'm like, what? That is like, so wildly like, inappropriate. And I, you know, and you, you know, asked me about the climate in my home. Like, I couldn't even, you know, your parents were different back then. I couldn't tell my, even tell my mom, like, this is the things that they're saying to me. Mm-hmm. Parents back then were pretty passive about things that happened to their kids while they were in school or while they were went to doctors or whatever. It was like, well, it's just the way it is, mm. you know? And so I let a lot of things just go by. But I look back now, it's like, I wouldn't dare want that to happen to my one of my daughters. You know? Right. right. We definitely have some questions about how your early experiences have informed you as a parent a little bit later. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. Oh, yes. I, fuck those. If they still alive. Getting... <laughs> fuck their life. <lives. laughs> we got we we to run up on them, honestly. <laughs> like, license revoked immediately. What? That is so terrible. Yes. Um, And so you were, like, this is your interaction with the medical care system as it pertains mm-hmm. to, like, your sex life or lack thereof right. at 13. And then we talked about uh, your home life. What kinds of messaging or messages were you getting from kids at school, friends, TV, and stuff like that when it came to sex? At school, it was the thing of, by me being a Black girl and having a pretty big butt <laughs> back then, it, uh, boys would grab your butt. It, you know, it just, you didn't have any agency over your body um, mm-hmm. when you think of it now. And kids talked about sex a lot in school. And I remember being in sixth grade and, uh, I, yeah, it was definitely sixth grade. And they happened to be talking about having a baby. And I was like, I don't ever want to have one of those. It's that it's going to hurt my butt. And the reason why I said that, because I didn't know babies came out your vagina. <laughs> they said, yeah. Melissa, babies don't come out of your butt. They come out of your front area, your vagina. And I'm like, oh, God, I really don't want to have a baby now. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my goodness, out of there, how? You know, so... <laughs> So me learning about sex came trial and error, basically, in my teenage life when I started to get the feeling of wanting something down there um, other than my fingers, Mm, (laughs) you know, mm, mm -hmm. because um, that started. Uh, I don't know what I I rubbed against something one day or whatever. It just begins. And you're just like, oh, wow. It's like, whoa, hey. (laughs) 
<laughs> How old were you when you started masturbating? I th- I started masturbating about 14. And was there any discussion or introduction Mm-mm. by your, you know, your parents about that? D- did you hide it from them as well? Absolutely. That was fun. <laughs> I actually had had sex before I masturbated. I I had sex at 13. I had a boyfriend who shouldn't have been my boyfriend. Uh, now he was 18. Mm-hmm. But he was cute. I thought he was the cutest bow-legged um, person I ever seen. <laughs> uh, and he was my first. And uh, that feeling of having a penis into your vagina for the first time and that shock goes straight to the top of your head, that happened. And I had no idea what happened, <laughs> you know, but it happened. And mm. I didn't have sex anymore for a few years after that. It was basically masturbating, you mm-hmm. know. And, yeah, I didn't tell my parents that happened. <laughs> and I was on the pill because, like I said, at 13, I mm. had already been to the clinic and I was taking the pill. Did that kind of inform your, because before you got your period, you were just like, sex, what the fuck is that? And then, mm. like, did getting on birth control and I guess having this very basic version of the talk make you want to have a boyfriend like, no I, okay. I no the, the feeling of wanting to have a boyfriend it just came with this person that that came into my life at at, mm. at that time he was cute and like I said at 18 I guess you know he had a little bit of what we call now swagger <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna say that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the swag. Yeah, you know, he was cool. <laughs> you know, I'm 13 and this, you know, 18-year-old guy is interested in me, you know? And um, did anyone know about that at the time? That him and I had sex uh, or about us dating or that you were dating, seeing yeah. each other. Um, my mom read my diary and found out. Mm. But by the time she found that out, we had broken up. Well, he had broken up with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was there a conversation like, girl, you are 13. You yeah. are messing with 18 year olds. <laughs> yeah, well, that I didn't put his old. age in a diary. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that would be good. <laughs> ooh, down south. Ooh, back then, that would not have been good for him. Uh, that wouldn't have turned mm-hmm. out good now. <laughs> so no, I didn't I didn't put anybody's age in there. But I, I did put the experience. Um but yeah, uh, she threw a fit. <laughs> about yeah. the fact that he existed and you were dating someone or that you had sex with that him? I had sex and but also she's the one who but I didn't get control. the ass whooping like I got an ass whooping um oh. also that year um because I skipped school for a few days and was hanging out with him and it got found out not from the diary somebody in the neighborhood Mm. You know, that term, it takes a village, but somebody in a damn village snitched on me. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. And I got an ass whooping for it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was there any specific reason um, in that kind of hiatus after having this initial sex, uh, sexual experience and you guys broke up? Were you just not dating anyone or were you a bit... Not put off, but weren't ready and kind of figuring that out. It just didn't happen. It it just did not happen for a few years. 
um, until... So you weren't actively pursuing it? No, I wasn't. I was just too busy trying to be a teenager for the two years. It was two years actually in between because the next time I had sex, I knew I was 15. I kind of want to get back to that, too, because you were like before getting your period and stuff like that, you were just one of the boys and you wanted to continue to be one of the boys and play football and stuff like that. After you started like developing and going through puberty and stuff like that, were you still able to be one of the boys? They were touching you without your consent. So uh, did things now, change that, very much? That group of boys, didn't. Ne- they never did that. They were never sexual okay. with me in any mm-hmm. kind of way. They never touched me out of. You know, out of the way, mm-hmm. never. This was in just in school, some boys okay. that I regularly didn't even see except mm. at school. But it stopped only because I wasn't allowed to go out and play it with them anymore. And also, I, I was the last time I played football, because I was pretty, I was very good at it, catching the ball and running <laughs> for a touchdown. This big guy picks me up. He was an older boy and slams me into a tree and my chest hits the tree. And I let the, my, ends my football career. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Titties are here. I'm not doing that no more. (laughs) Like my titties hurt by proxy right now. (laughs) You know? Gotta touch them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was jealous that I was getting away. He tackled me and slammed me into it. Instead of just slamming me on the ground or whatever, no, you throw me into a damn tree. He was trying to end your football career. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want the business. I could have been the first Wally woman to play football, (laughs) but no. (laughs) Yeah, I, I let it go from there. Like so, and then my. Um, because my mom worked what they call swing shift. Um, so mm-hmm. I was uh, always babysat by either my grandmother or my aunt. And they just were like, nope, not playing with those boys. Go find some girls to play with. And I'm like, oh, no, really? Like, <laughs> girls are Damn. just no fun. They don't want to <laughs> play sports. <laughs> you know, they want to be cute and stuff. And I'm not <laughs> into that. Uh, I, that's what I settle for, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh. shame shame how yeah. little girls are socialized to not do the things that they want to do oh, i'm mm-hmm. praying that the narrative changes for us uh, I, I can see it i can see it in podcasts like yours and 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 i'm so hopeful you know that that starts to change just how we're looked at and how we're supposed to grow up to be women to be ladies <sighs> <laughs> don't like that word no <laughs> right so, <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit more about your you know romantic and sexual experiences 15 and uh you know were you dating actively i was i guess how how do you define dating i was screwing okay because i don't know we describe dating as you know actually going out and actually having a relationship yeah and i didn't do that i if i had a boyfriend he was out of town um some guy i met out of town or whatever um but i was screwing around like i was really having sex very sexually active 
you know. Um, so I, I don't know if that's considered dating. But I, I did. My mom, like I said, my mom worked swing shift. And so when they took those babysitting rings off me and I was able to stay home by myself and mama was going to work from 3 to 11 or 11 to 7, <laughs> party over here. There you have it. There you have it. That's funny. Um, how how was the sex? And I guess, like, what was it like to you then? Like, what did it mean to you then? And looking back on it, how would you describe it? I was such an explorer. I I, I learned a lot. I felt I learned stuff from t- television. Um, also magazines. My mom used to have these true romantic magazines. I don't think they make them anymore. I'm sure they don't. Um, but that's what they call true romance magazines. And they, in these magazines, they had all these stories of couples and the things that they do. I wasn't supposed to be reading these magazines, but I was. (laughs) (laughs) And so parents back then and grandparents watched soap operas. And in soap operas, even though they didn't have sex, they would take showers together. Even though you didn't see them naked in the shower, you know they were in the shower together. And I thought that was the most amazing things. And so you come over my house. We're going to take a shower first. And we're going to take a shower together. I that was a big it. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, in these true romance magazines, they talked about oral sex. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we called it blowjobs, BJs back then. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to experience that. When it came to men eating vagina, well, they were boys then. Mm-hmm. That was like brand new. You're talking 84, 85. It was like a brand new thing for these young boys to try that. And I liked it. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is... Well, this was out here pioneering <laughs> oral sex. She was out here turning these boys out. Like, look what I've learned. We're going to try this today. Like, like, why don't you go wash your ass <laughs> yes. before we get to the getting. <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know... Um, and we had sex education class in middle mm-hmm. school. But with that, I still didn't learn much about um, sexual diseases, um, mm-hmm. venereal disease. And VD was a big thing um, mm-hmm. at that point in my life. And, and, and I did contract that um, mm-hmm. in one of my encounters. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, it's something that's it's the it's not yeast infection. It's the other one. I can never think of that bacterial BV. vaginosis. Yeah, BV. Yes, yes. Um, I contracted that also from mm-hmm. having sex, and so like the sexual education of diseases just was not there, and. And I could read all the magazines in the world. So what were they teaching you? Because I know by the time me and Sam were... It was teenagers, only about STIs. It was only diseases. Yeah. So like, <laughs> what were they then telling you they, back in the 80s? They talked... They only... They talked about putting on a condom. Like, they had a cartoon. It was an actual on-the-screen cartoon. Mm-hmm. 
about a condom. And if you don't use this, you could catch um, VD, Mm -hmm. syphilis. That Mm -hmm. was, um, I guess, common back then. I mean, it was just there. It was just show the film and take it from there. No discussion. I, or no, like it's real the implications discussion. of it and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So it's it became a joke, it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you then you take a quiz, and now you've passed sex education class. Move on mm-hmm. to seventh grade. It, it just yeah, no discussion and really, like I said, my mom was not really into that, and I really didn't want to have that discussion with her. Yeah. And you know, like I said, not till I had my own kids that I realized it was so important. To know about sexual health. Yeah. So here you were, you know, pioneering the sex world <laughs> in the 80s with these young men. Probably done showed them a thing or two. <laughs> and you're screwing. But you earlier you earlier mentioned that you heard you had your first child at 18. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about how that happened? Were you just screwing the father or dating? Um, we were actually in a relationship. He was in college. He probably was like a sophomore in college. Um, in North Carolina and I lived in Virginia, which we bordered North Carolina. So, um, and, uh, we, I, I got pregnant. He happened to come home. I couldn't find, it was this contraceptive. It was like, uh, cause I, by the time I had stopped taking pills, cause I kept vomiting hmm. for so I didn't, had no idea that was like going against my hormones or whatever and causing me to be sick. So mm. I just stopped taking them, but I was using this contraceptive. I think it was called Today or something. It was a like a little, it looked almost like a little sponge, little white sponge. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when he came over one day, it was actually about two days before my birthday, he came from um, college to visit and he came over and I could not find that damn sponge. I knew I had one more left. <laughs> And I couldn't find it. And so we had sex. I'm like, it should be okay. I got pregnant. <laughs> Only takes one time. Yeah, that, that one, one time. time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. And I told him that he thought I was a virgin. I told him I was a virgin. He didn't find out that I wasn't a virgin until many years later. It's like, no, I was not. <laughs> Now I know why my kids didn't want to hear this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) What was the um, trajectory like with him? You had mentioned in your in your email pitch to us that you had been married three times. Was he yes. one of them? Yes. He um actually we broke up not too far before she was born. Um, mm. because my first child was a girl. Both my children are um a women now. Mm-hmm. We broke up a little before that, for before her birth. Um, we were broken up for a few years. So I dated someone else. I had another child. And him and I got back together uh, while he was in the military. And um, then we married. Um, mm-hmm. And we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so we really <laughs> didn't know anything about each other, mm-hmm. except that we shared a child. And uh, yeah, so he was. He was my first husband. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did it go? How long did it last? That lasted about 18 months. Woo! Quick. 
Yeah. <laughs> as far as us living under the same roof, uh-huh. it lasted about 18 months. Um, uh, we were married in like 91. I divorced him in like 1996. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So you had your first daughter um, at 18. Mm-hmm. That puts us in like the early... It's 1986. Okay. The year of my graduation. Well, yes. What was it like dating as a teenage parent in the 80s? Uh, so now, guys, you know, guys were attracted to you. Like I said, I did have another child. I, I met someone um, a couple of years later and had another child, my second child in 1988. And it, it wasn't it wasn't a difficult thing. Like, it seems pretty difficult to date now. Oh, internet. So you met people just passing by, going to the supermarket or something, or you know, and if you were attractive, they were attractive, and you say hello, and you know, they get into a conversation, exchange numbers, and mm-hmm. go from there. It's almost like the simplicity of it makes it or made it easier. It and I was. guess uh-huh. was it also like. Not to be like, you had no options, but I guess the lack of options compared to now where it's like, you can swipe till your arm falls off. But right. nowadays it's like, <laughs> you only see a certain number of people in like your neighborhood or at school or something like that. Right. I think the way I see it now, um, I think we had many more options as far as black women. Um, the brothers weren't. Like they are now, like, oh, them black women, them attitudes, they so dominant. I'm going to go over here with these white girls, you know? They, they weren't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, you know, we were the shit, like, in clubs mm-hmm. and everything. They were looking at us. <laughs> hey, how you doing? You were always, if you went out to a club or something, you would always meet someone. Mm. Always. Because that's where people went at the time yeah. to meet someone. Yeah. You know, you yeah. get dressed up, go to Joyce Leslie, get you an outfit, and um you go you're gonna meet somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're gonna meet did go ahead. Did you face any stigma being a teen parent? And it you know, how were you clubbing? Who was watching your baby? Where was she going? <laughs> I didn't start clubbing probably until um, mid twenties. Sometimes in the summer, my kids would go stay with my mom, and because uh, I had moved to New Jersey um, shortly after my oldest was born, and um, by the time I started clubbing, like I said, they would go away for the summer, so I would go out during the summers. And um, my birth parents actually lived in New Jersey area. And they had friends and the friends may have teenagers. And so the kids would get babysat by them, you Mm -hmm. know, because I started working my job that I've been on for 33 years now when I was Mm -hmm. 20. Mm -hmm. You meet, you meet so many, you, you know, back then we met so many people. So yeah, Yeah. I had a babysitters to go clubbing. Takes a village. (laughs) Takes a village. How... How did your um, adoptive mom respond to you being pregnant at 18? Because it sounds like that's kind of like her worst fear come true. You know, from 12, she was all she was already anticipating (laughs) this teenage parenthood. And then, boom, you about you, you know, you about close to graduation and you pop up. She um, she was a bit disappointed because 
I was college brown. I was an honor student, and that's what she wanted for me. But she told me, that's not the worst thing that could happen to you. You Because at the time, this is the time of the AIDS epidemic. You're talking about 86? Oh, yeah. And she was more afraid of me catching AIDS than getting pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. Because there were people I went to school with who had went on to college who had contracted AIDS and mm-hmm. were dying. So that was more of her fear. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, let's skip again. Let's skip again. (laughs) Marriage number two. When was Mm -hmm. that? Who was that? Okay, marriage number two happened by the time I was 32 years old. Um, By now, my kids are teenagers. I met someone. um, He was Jamaican born. Uh-oh. Um, living here in the United States. Uh, yeah. Uh oh. Not a Jamaican man, Jesus. <laughs> uh, another bow legged guy. Yeah. Oh, I had a Melissa thing about yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we met at the gym, actually. Um, I met my last two husbands at the gym. Um, <laughs> So you're back at it. You're back in your football days. Like you're back in your oh, tomboy left, era. Yeah, I never left physical fitness. I yeah. swear. Um, and uh, we got married within a month of wow. getting to know each other. I mean, there was some agendas. Uh, he wasn't a citizen. There, there was some things going on there. But I, you know, we really cared about each other. We were together uh, probably twelve years. Um, <laughs> That ended uh, with his deportation. He was deported. Mm. Um, um, so there was some legal things there that just tore us apart. And um, But, you know, we also had our issues with sex during mm. the marriage. Um, Let's take ahead, a break Bella. there. Let's okay. take, That's a good time to take <laughs> a break. We're going to talk about the issues with sex during the marriage right after okay. this. Uh, okay, so is the conversation in this episode so far resonating with you? Is it helping you learn some new shit, helping you unlearn some old shit, or just allowing you to have a good-ass time? It is. Okay, well, we love to hear that. We would also love for you to support the continuation of conversations like these. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, you can take a moment to subscribe to us or drop five stars and leave a rating for the homies. If you got a little extra change, you can drop some cash in the PayPal by going to paypal.me slash innerho. Or you can come join our Patreon community of which Melissa is a part of and many other dope-ass people and access our chat, virtual events for as low as $2 a month by going to patreon.com slash uprising, or you can just hit up your friend and say, yo, listen to this podcast. It's a very good podcast. We thank and love you all for your continued support. Also, before we get back into the show, there's a portion after this break in which we want to give a content warning for suicide. It's not immediately after the break, but if this is a topic that you wish to not hear at the moment, please check the time code in the show notes to skip forward. Now, what were those issues in this 12-year marriage? Uh, The issues were he did not want to be sexually active. Mm-hmm. And um, so that created a problem for me. Yeah. Um, 32, 
uh, they say that 30-something years old are in their prime. Women mm-hmm. are in their prime, and they are extremely horny. Okay? So, yeah, that's what's true at the time. And my <laughs> husband was not having sex. Yeah. And, um, and so... I went back to that old song. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you wish. And mm-hmm. I went out and found someone who wanted to have sex. An okay. affair occurred. I had a f- couple of affairs. Okay. Okay. I, w- I was going to ask, was this like a poly arrangement? Did your husband then know and was like, all right, or? He found out, um, because I got a little sloppy. It went on for a few years. It you know, I got sloppy and left a receipt somewhere in the car, Ooh. and he found a receipt. He's a, a, a paper years. trail, a paper trail, girl. This is this is we still got the flip phones on Sprint now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was got, it? A re- what was it? A receipt for? It was a receipt for a uh, parking. It was parking in New York. Okay, mm-hmm. I live in northern New Jersey. <laughs> he okay? was like, you don't live in no fucking New York. <laughs> okay, I was supposed to be somewhere else other than this New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not an affair with a New Yorker. You messing and with too many things close. Actually, he was an Italian. He was visiting. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes. I love it. Wait, this is amazing. This sounds like a movie. <laughs> it sounds like a whole how did you movie. Even, wait, how did you meet him? On a cruise ship. Melissa. Melissa. I believe. <laughs> what? Come on, you guys. I'm like, this is impossible. No, I just love it. I this just, is it's real. messy. Yeah, it's we messy. Just, I like listen this. to your podcast because it's so real. Okay? I, I love the messiness. Lovely. I love the messiness. So was this, uh, was this a cruise vacation that your husband was on with you? Or no. with friends. Okay. No, okay. he couldn't travel. He wasn't a citizen. Oh, yeah, true, 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 yeah. true. Okay. Um, okay. No, me and my um, oldest daughter had went on this cruise. And, uh, yeah. And Did she guy... know the mess was happening? No, she didn't know. Okay, okay. She had a whole mess <laughs> she, she was she, doing. Uh, <laughs> she gonna listen to this like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, was... <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but... Yeah, she she we was having too much fun. Um, I went on with some other family members actually. Um, mm-hmm. and my daughter and I shared a room. And this guy, he worked on the cruise ship. Nice looking guy. And at the time, I, I it didn't matter to me um uh, about that this person was not black. You know that that's how I was at the time. You know, so hey, and uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> So when when his he's because it docked out of New York the cruise ship, so mm-hmm. he would come back into New York sometimes, and like I and at the time I had days off during the week, so his cruise ship came back in. I make arrangement. <laughs> I'll be in New York City. <laughs> These are the hotels that we live for These on are this the show. Hotels we live for. Like, <laughs> so you I'm guys assuming are bringing this... up stuff I almost forgot about. <laughs> I would have to look at photos to remember. Um, oh, yeah, boy. and uh, so we started hanging out, and then he had a vacation, and he flew in from um, Miami, 
Um, cause that's where this cruise ship is based out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, I'm going to fly in for a weekend. Can you hang out? Blah, blah, blah. So of course I'm supposed to be somewhere else, but him and I were hanging out for that weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, my husband found out we went to therapy. It was the first time I went to a couple's therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I remain um, faithful um, for the remainder of the marriage. Was he potentially like asexual or, or history of trauma? Or... Like, did you ever get to the root? Did you ever get to the root of why that was? He said, "See, I had had my tube tied when I was twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So we met. Um, we talked about having." a procedure to make mm. I could have more children. He said that when I made the decision, I said, you know, I it's really not what I want to do. I really don't want to have any more children. My kids are yeah. teenagers. I really don't want to start over. Yeah. He said when I made that decision, it caused him mentally to shut down and he just did not want to have sex. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with that. Um, yeah. And uh, But like I said, I remain faithful until, you know, way later when we were separated because of the deportation. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and and with that, after a while, that became a problem. I mm-hmm. was holding on. I was remaining faithful with my husband now in another country. But after a while, that got boring. Yeah, <laughs> and, I feel you know, and um, like I said, we were still having issues. Although I was remained faithful and wasn't having sex with anyone else outside the marriage, we still we had started maybe seven months prior to him being deported. Stop having sex. We weren't having sex. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even sleeping in the same bed. But he didn't see an issue. I mm-hmm. saw an issue. There was a yeah. problem. And, um, but when he got deported, my heart went out Mm. and I tried to do everything I can to get him to re-enter back into the United States. It just didn't work out like that. And we ended up getting divorced a little later. I feel that. I feel that. Are you, are you in contact with him at all? He committed suicide. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Years later, uh, about 2017, uh, me and one of his brothers actually, um, Kept in contact, and he asked me, did he show any signs of, like, depression um, when we were together in the States? And I said, yes, he did. To look back, he stayed in our basement more than he stayed in our bed and just would not talk. He just did not want to talk about that how he was feeling. I, I don't know. You know? Yeah. If you are in suicidal crisis or emotional distress, there is help out there for you. I will be putting U.S. and global-based places to contact in the show notes. If you believe someone you know is at risk for suicide, I will be putting resources that help to identify warning signs, as well as resources on how to seek help for your loved one in the show notes. Could we backtrack a bit, okay. uh, Melissa, to you being 25 and deciding to tie your tubes? Mm-hmm. What led into that? Um, what led into that decision? Um, probably because I had two children 
I had separated from, like I said, my first husband at the time. Um, it was hard. It, it was very hard having two children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that that was enough. Um, I didn't feel that I was going to find anyone else to be helpful. It just seemed that I'm having children, two different fathers, and they just weren't helpful. And I'm like, mm. I can't risk having another child and having a parent, another parent that doesn't want to help out. Like this, that's this expected role that I'm supposed to do everything as a mother and go to work every day. That's not for me. So two is enough. And my doctor at the time, my gynecologist at the time, he, he asked me, said, are you having a bad marriage? And I lied. I said, no, everything's good. He said, because you're 25. And not most 25-year-olds have their tubes tied unless they're in a bad marriage and they're just feeling that, you know, they just hate the person they with. <laughs> you know, it's just not good emotions going on. It may not be a good decision because you may not be able to reverse this. So are you sure? He said, but I'll do it because you have two kids already, but I really don't want to. I said, just do it. What is up with that? Why do doctors have to say that? Doctors and their personal preferences. Yes, personal. Write in your diary. Yes. When you don't want to do it, talk to your therapist about it. Like, why are you placing that on your patients? Yes. Uh, Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. It's, it's a lot to to deal with uh, being a woman, a, like I said, a black woman um, in, in our bodies and mm-hmm. what we want to do with our bodies, the choices we want to make. Because birth control pills were just not an option for me. I would have rather been able to take a pill or some kind of other contraceptive and none of them just just did not work. I needed my tubes tied. Did you ever get to the bottom of that or try to like what it was about birth controls that were causing you severe like symptoms and stuff? No, I, I didn't because like I said at 25, I had my tubes tied. And, yeah, and, you were and just that, like, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. No more. I, you know, yeah. um, I, I what I do do is ask other young people questions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because my daughter was, um, I think she had problems, my youngest, mm. um, with it still. Um, and so she had like an IUD. I think, mm-hmm. I think they, they, they call them something different now, but they were IUDs when I was younger and mm-hmm. they were known to be very painful back then. I guess mm-hmm. they've changed now. Also, there was, at the time before I had my tubes tied, there was a sh- uh the Depo Vera shot, the thing they were putting, yeah, yeah. And I asked him for that. I asked my doctor for that, and he said, "If you can't take birth control pills, you won't be able to take that. Now mm. I'm gonna shoot that in your system, and you're gonna really be sick, mm. and you won't mm. be able to get it out." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, "I don't." I said, "Well, I need my tubes tied then, because yeah. I had had a few abortions also." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to keep doing that. Makes sense. Yeah. You that's know? a, yeah, that's a, for lack of a better word, bummer when it comes to options of birth control and stuff like that. Like it reminds me of something that was going viral a couple of days ago with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and how it caused mm-hmm. blood clots in six out of a million people. And people were mm. like, birth control causes blood clots in one out of a thousand. <laughs> Awesome. But we, we didn't. We didn't stop production for it. We didn't. No, figure, no. we haven't figured Wait out why. <laughs> no, 
they were like, this is what you're going to have to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right, because they still don't want us to take it. You know, you got these conservatives that still don't want us to take birth control. That's a really good point, too. <laughs> Oh, Unreal gosh. how they gosh. still want to control our bodies and what we do with our body. Yeah. yeah. It's like, just give us the right things. <laughs> give <laughs> us what let we us, need. Let us be Your full business. actualized human beings. For like one exactly. <laughs> and you know what you men need to do is put on a damn condom willingly. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody got to yeah. keep forcing you to put condom on. <laughs> yeah. <What the> hell. <laughs> Okay, so in your um in your email, you had described your sex life up until your thirties as just a guy on top of me, a few humps, and we were done. Mm-hmm. What changed in your thirties, and like, what kind of sex were you then having and stuff like that from then until now? Um, yeah, that came later. Um, mm. that came later, probably in the last maybe three years. Mm. Um, when I really started just saying no I don't like that I want this mm-hmm. can you provide that or can you ex- do you want to explore that and if not uh, go away because um <laughs> I, I want more <laughs> you know I want to know how we how you went from experiencing sex learning about sex through these uh romance magazines and mirroring what you saw in media and kind of what sounded like pioneering sex, you know, in the 80s and oral sex to then just having these mediocre experiences with men where they just no longer willing to be open. It would start out, I, I think it, it was a result of my re- just being repetitive with relationships, like one relationship after another. And the relationship would start out fun. It would start out, the sex would be fun and everything. And then... Every relationship, the guy seemed to turn to use sex as a way to control me. Mm. Well, like dangling at me, you know. And um, and I also uh, went into that mindset that if I give him sex, he's going to love me. Mm. Um, I, I had my share of issues with, um, um, self-esteem and, um, trying to do everything I can to hold on to the person I was with. And I thought sex was the ultimate deal and found out like, nah, that, that it wasn't that I had to get to know myself mm-hmm. and really, um, uh, make my own choices about what I want and stick to that, stick to my guns about that. Like. No, you this this for your pleasure, getting on top of me and getting your you know your shots off. That ain't for me. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to have sex that way. So, but it took a it took a long time in my adult life to come to that to starting to control what I wanted sexually. Mm-hmm. 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 We and we love that for you in that era of of your life. To close the loop on marriages, when was marriage number three, and who was that? Um, marriage number three came shortly after my divorce in 2013. I remarried in 2014. Like I mm-hmm. said, um, I met him also working out. Um, and to this day, this man is I'm 53, so he's 55. 
Um, he has a body of a 25-year-old muscular man. Seriously. <laughs> Does he also have the stamina or did he what? have the stamina? Ooh, ah, ah. He had some left over. You know what I'm saying? You see, you see my hands here? <laughs> he had some left over. <laughs> All right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure there's some um, young women out here that's uh, probably curled up in the corner somewhere with a thumb in the mouth. <laughs> you know, that one. But. <laughs> so what happened um, in this marriage? Now, I don't, like I said, I'm, I've, I've did my share of cheating, but that marriage, again, shouldn't have happened. Um, at the time, he was living with someone else, and he came to live with me, um, thinking that it would be a better situation than him with me, and, you know... It it, it it that was messy and the stories he was telling me about how miserable he was with her and blah so I'm thinking I'm the shit now you know you're gonna be over here with me life gonna be so much better which it was cause yeah financially I took him from one place to a higher place but okay, upgrading yeah <laughs> I grew up yes <laughs> I did a Beyonce I grew upgrading <laughs> um and um but he, I found out about a year later, does he did start acting kind of funny? You know, not some nights not coming home, saying he was out playing cards. Um, and eventually I found out that he was cheating on me with her. I tried to get past that. I'm like, okay, that's not a deal breaker completely for me. But he did not want to change his attitude. He was verbally and it could be physically abusive also. And it we it it just I could tell that he was not through with that situation over there. What the the issue with that was she still wanted to be with him to the point where she would she went to, as far as trying to destroy my livelihood by calling and emailing my job. Oh no. Okay, and I just got to the point, I was like, in order for her to stop fucking with me, I got to stop fucking with you. So um, I'm leaving. And um, I separated from him and I divorced him. Good decision. It, 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 was, it was time. I had one more like committed relationship after that. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work out. This person was a binge alcoholic, I found out. Um, that didn't work out. And after that, I said, the break that my therapist had suggested back in like 2012 is the break I'm taking right now. (laughs) And I'm going to figure this thing out. What Uh the heck is going on? Why I keep having these string of bad relationships and I'm not having good sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) just by being by myself. So that's what I did. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sooner rather than later, you listen to the therapist. Like, whenever, yeah. <laughs> whenever it comes, it, it comes. It took me about seven years for me to take that advice, but uh, it came. And I did. And um, it has been beautiful. And I am in a f- good friendship where I, I, I am still having sex. Oh, and okay. it is very pleasurable. And we do explore. 
Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why are you calling it a friendship? I we tried a commitment okay. uh, a few months ago. It seemed that from him that I wasn't measuring up to his feelings for me. And we started to argue. I'm not for this is not I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's try being friends. You go ahead if you choose to, you know, have sexual relations somewhere else. Um and uh but we get together, you know, we have to do what we have to do to protect one another. Um, but I, I'm not ready for a committed relationship. And uh, I took about two years, just me chilling in single. 2019 was lit. You know, Marsha's plate, um, live podcast, you guys having sex trivia and <laughs> pod and live. And I did all that stuff in 2019. Okay. My yes. life was lit being moving, single. Moving. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I'm not about to sit up here in a relationship and argue and have these issues. So let, let's be friends. Yeah. Solid. And it, mm-hmm, and it's been very pleasurable. And, and, and their willingness to explore is definitely pleasurable for me. And when you yeah. say explore, because you have said mm-hmm. explore three, four times now. Yes, what, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> in, in this new context of your life, what are you exploring? Like, what are well, you finding out? Well, as in like? my bio, um, kink. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with an online group and there, cause there's things that I like. I, I like choke. I like, um, um, paddling spankings. And, um, so we're looking into that. I do. They don't prefer that. <laughs> but if, okay. you know, if that's what I want to receive. Okay. You know, we're, we're definitely okay. looking more into that. Yeah. Cool. Because that's an art. Kink is an art. It, yes. It's not something you just go out and do. You don't go and put your hand around somebody's throat <laughs> nonchalantly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It is definitely an exploration. It's an explorative mm-hmm. process. Absolutely. And Absolutely. this online group, uh, you don't have to shout them out if you don't want to or oh, anything no, no. like that. Okay. No, yeah. I won't. Right. Um, are they specifically for like black people or? Yes, it okay. is black. Uh-huh. Black and all um, sexual backgrounds, um, you know, so trans, even though they, I haven't seen a trans in the group yet, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's yeah. inclusive of people of it's all gender, sexualities. All ge- thank you. Cool. Thank you. Sometimes I can't find the words. No problem. A lot of these words, <laughs> terminologies are totally yeah. new to me. I have learned so much from listening to the bad um how do you say bad that? bitch the brigade? Bad, the, the, yes. <laughs> oh Lord, too many yeah. BBBs. <laughs> I've learned so much about terminologies and everything. Awesome. So, you know. That is definitely what we're here for. And mm-hmm. this is an important question that me and Akua had. And you kind of were getting at it early when you were like, you know, back in the day, black women were the shit. These men nowadays. So tell us about these men nowadays that you're <laughs> encountering. Um I guess in your age group too, because I don't mm-hmm. really have any experience with the fifty and up men group. Um, I, uh, let me tell you about a, a particular encounter where, uh, when I really decided to take my haters from from dating. Uh-huh. When I when I went out, I don't know if I wrote you this. The time that I went out with a guy, I guess at the time he was about fifty eight years old, and uh, 
This guy didn't have enough money to pay for our meal. Okay. Ooh. That was not cute. And it said it the whole time. And somebody, I don't know who had the email. I don't know if it was your podcast or it was T with Queen and Jay. Uh-huh. Um, that someone wrote in about a guy they went out with and they talked about their ex the whole time. I don't know which podcast it was. I listened to it last week. I don't remember either. Okay. But one of you from the BBB uh-huh. um, had an email about this and um that's what it was oh you had divorced your wife in 1997 <laughs> and it's now 2019 because i remember 2019 because i was about to go to dubai at the time and you still talking about her <laughs> homie <Why>? is hurt <laughs> yes <laughs> And then, you you know, we order a meal. You order the same thing as me. You And I ordered a glass of wine. You order a glass of wine. It has the prices on this menu, okay? We weren't at Morton Steakhouse somewhere where there's no prices. And you take out $55 because now the bill is like (laughs) $59.85. You say, can I borrow $5? (gasps) Because I said, so what you going to do? Get a waitress eight, uh, 15 cents tip? Oh, my oh, God. Man. And here. I was like, here. Here's $20. <laughs> I called over the waitress. I said, come here. Take this. Okay? Because I'm not going to leave this at the table because this food mm-hmm. may take my $20. Um, <laughs> to the oh. next date. <laughs> and <sighs> so, and he asked, you know, the next day, he was like, could we do a do-over? I was like, No. We cool. Do you um, got do over money? <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> sir. No, we're not doing nothing over. Okay. <sighs> and it's um, and it was one more. I didn't go out with them because I made a decision from that date that I would have a conversation with the person over the phone or through mm-hmm. DMs or whatever. Um, to get to know them better. Because that's mm-hmm. something I had never really did in my adult life. It was just quick dating, quit getting married, whatever. Never really getting to know the person. But I was like, I'm going to get to know these people. And I had a conversation with a guy. And seemed kind of strange. Mm-hmm. I let it go. He took three days to call me. I don't know what kind of bullshit that was. But he did. And then you talking weird. And then... I don't hear from you again for 55 more days because I had the text. Days. Yes, I had the text in my phone. <laughs> so the last time this guy texted me, wait a minute, it's almost two months. God damn. Yeah. So I didn't answer back. <laughs> I just didn't answer back. Like, okay. Well, you know, and that just became my filter, mm-hmm. having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um. And and I'm like I'm 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 too cool I'm too cool now at being single I'm lit. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, So how are you meeting people now? Perspectives? Are you on the apps? I haven't did that. I was planning on doing that. Um, I had told my therapist. uh, I think she was a bit wary. When I went, I took the break. I'm like, you told me to take the break. Yeah, but are you okay? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm just fine. 
mind. I said, you know, when it comes time again for me to, uh, if I really want to get back out there, I'll, I'll go on the app. So mm-hmm. I haven't did the app yet. I have never did online dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I'm, I'm so busy. I have actually three and a half more years to this date mm. to retire from my job. And so I'm setting myself up for, that life after retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking a real estate course, the tax prep course, you know, so I can make my own hours. Healthy and, and wealthy post-retirement. I mean, <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, hey, my daughter's in Playa de Carmen right now for two months. I'm about to go there in a couple of weeks Ooh. on vacation. So we making plans. Like, <laughs> we making plans post-retirement. Yeah. So I'm so busy with that. Um, that life that, and like I said, I have a friend that um, that I share, you know, going out on dates with, going away on trips with, having sex with, that eh, eh, I'm not worried about, I'm not, cons- you know, worried, considering meeting anyone right now, you know, but if that time comes later on, yeah, I'll go online. I'm not afraid of it. Like I said, I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm not, I'm not putting a timeline on this. I'm having too much fun. I love you know, it. just just being me. So you've talked a bit about hitting, you know, hitting sexual prime in the 30s. What kind of sexual changes comes around 40s, 50s? Um, and what are some misconceptions? What happens, um, what had happened to me, I, I just wanted to be touched more. I wanted to experience more. And by being in a ma- a whole marriage, I felt I should. Misconceptions. I've had this conversation with, with men. Mm-hmm. And I asked, these men have been friends of mine for a while. It's like, why do you still have, feel the need that you got to marry the good girl? Hmm. But yet you have the so-called bad girl on the side. Why can't you just, why don't men just marry the bad girl? And I say bad girl, but that's how men have framed us. The Um, virgin whore dichotomy kind of thing. Yes, exactly. If, If the woman is sexually active, you meet her, she's sexually active. Why can't that, and you, and you enjoy that with her. Why can't that become your wife? Why yeah. would you go and, and marry a woman is so-called goody and then you're going to cheat on her because she ain't having sex with you? That don't make any that darn sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. really. They really couldn't answer me. Mm. I never got a straight answer from that. I feel like it has to do with a lack of introspection on their part. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they don't want to... Go and I, th- I think what's great about like the fact that you listen to all of our podcasts and stuff like that, and you're like, I don't know these terms, but I'm trying to learn. Like, obviously, you're trying to do like a lot of growth, inner growth, mm-hmm. growth about things that you don't know, growth about things that you might like, and all this kind of stuff. Like, you're expanding your worldview, right. and it sounds like I'm not set in my ways, right? That's exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I really don't think that that benefits anybody being set. It in your doesn't. Ways. It doesn't. I, I feel that growth goes on to the day you leave this earth. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I know a lot of people in my age group and older don't feel that way. It's like, I'm. you can't teach me nothing. Can't teach mm-hmm. an old dog new tricks. Well, oh, well, you go over there. 
can't come over here with me. That is something because... that you that's something that you wrote into us about. If we could take a t- second to talk about it, like not having friends yeah. your age who are, I guess, as open minded as you when it comes to sexuality. And... Mm-hmm. Even my thoughts about people who are bisexual mm-hmm. or um I don't know why I don't like using that word homosexual. It's, it's okay to use that. Because I, I, you know, I just prefer because gay. You hear it? Yeah, gay. Okay. Because people use that word so cruel. Yeah. And and, and so I so yeah. I hate it to come out of my mouth mm-hmm. because I have no intentions of being cruel. Right. But, you know, the, the feelings about it, it's like, eh, it's okay. You know, they do what they do with their lives. I'm going to say don't bring that over here. What do you mean? What do you mean? Don't bring that over here. <laughs> yeah. What do they mean? Uh, like, yeah, I people are not fucking I, right in front of you, <laughs> like, right? And that's my thing. See, that was my thing when I asked these guys about that. You mm-hmm. act like you take the so-called bad girl home, the one that's you know backflipping for you. That you got your she gonna pour stuff out on the table and like <laughs> come get me, daddy, in front of your parents while you're eating collard greens. No, <laughs> it's. What is this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what kind of social relationships are you having with people? Like, have you found, since you wrote in that email, have you found more open-minded people? Are you still looking for more open-minded people? You know, COVID happened. Oh, true. Lockdowns happened. So it's it's, um, even, I had started trying to do meetup groups to meet new people. And that, of course, shut down. So no, not yet. Um, I still have my same, you know, girlfriends and whatnot, but, and I just let them be them. Like, okay, girl, you know, that's the way you are. Okay. That's, that's fine. That's, that's fine for you. Yeah. But I know what I want. Mm-hmm. And, um, so no, I haven't met anyone, um, that I could share that with. I mean, that's, that's one of the things on my vision board to have that kind of girlfriendship that, we can really kick the shit, talk mm-hmm. shit, <laughs> and be completely open uh, about it, you know. And you know they don't feel judged. And I think that 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 often happens with my age group, where they still feel judged mm-hmm. when if they talk about masturbation or you know having different sexual experiences, even if it's not within your gender. If if it is the same gender, mm-hmm. you know. I I feel that's that's still very hidden, yeah. um in 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 my age group, mm-hmm. of women and men. Yeah, I I affirm uh, <laughs> open minded, fun ass friends for you post lockdown. Yeah, yeah, your near future, <laughs> in your near future, because I know they're out there. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, so, Melissa, you have grown children. Do you talk to them about these these kind of things now? And what was you know sexual education? for them as you raise them. Okay. Sexual education came with them just coming out and asking me. Um, and then my willingness to just answer. And the fr- I mean, never, never will forget the first question. It was my oldest one who said, Mom, what's a BJ? <laughs> and I knew she wasn't talking about the whole food place. <laughs> Not the whole sales club. No, not nope. the whole sales club. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she's about, I think she had to be around 
maybe 10, 11 years old. And I just knew, I say, they're talking about this. Yeah. For her to ask me this, they're having a conversation about this. And I don't want these little boys or little girls telling her what this is mm-hmm. and telling her lies. So let me tell her the truth of what it is. Okay. This, this is what it is. This is, that's what a BJ is, honey. So, and from there, and, um, I was so glad I did that because even with their, you know, when they start to get their cycles, um, I found sanitary napkins in the bathroom. No one came to me and like crying like I was, screaming, bloated mother, like, what is happening to me? They were ready. They just went ahead and did it. You know, took care of things. But then, you know, they found I had sanitary napkins. So it's like, okay, let's take care of this. This is what's happening to my body now. So I I just, you know, they they were pretty open um, with asking me. And I was just open with answering. You know, not that they didn't have their sexual traumas. Because I've heard more about that as they've gotten older. But... I'm so glad that still that I was I was open about it, you know. And now that I have a grandchild and one on the way, congratulations! um, Thank you. And um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, has uh, you know quite a few reservations about her future, and I just tell her like, don't, 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 don't stress yourself out about that stuff. You know, do like I did and better. You know, answer her questions because she's going to have questions. How old is your grandbaby? She's two going on three, going on (laughs) 50-something. Ooh, boy, she is tearing Mexico up right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She is a joy, a beautiful joy. Are Um, you sharing your current hotels and experiences in dating with your grown grown children? They don't really ask. Um, And when I say things like, (laughs) uh, you got your club shot up. You know? oh. <laughs> or oh. digging, digging up in them guts. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> from parent to parent, I need help, Melissa. Um, so one question, and I'm, you know, I take the approach of answering my son's questions as he comes. But one question I just have not sat down to be able to figure out an answer keeps asking me, where do babies come from? And I'm just like, I don't got it for you right now, honey. Like, I just, I don't, mommy can't answer that question right now. I, help, Melissa, help. Really? What am I about to say that, I'm learning for you. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Not nobody has the tools. Oh, no. <laughs> like, it just sounds like, I, 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 I see it as a very sit down technical conversation and I don't want it to be a very sit down and technical conversation. Mm. That's exactly Ooh, what I would I suggest. If I, was, <laughs> I was like, make it very sit science, make it very medical. Technical. Yes, it sounds like um, I'm about to the the penis interest. But that's what the, happens. I just <laughs> and yes, oh, that's God. what happens. The truth. <laughs> I know. It's just the truth. That's that's all. It's I a process of science. Just tell him the truth. <laughs> Your son, uh, what you said in that interview uh, a few weeks ago, your son seems to be very smart. Yes. 
And um, he will get through that conversation just fine. He might know like 50% so of you. the way, to be honest, Akua. Exactly. <laughs> he, he probably checking on you. He probably, let me, when let me I see. asked my parents, she I already knew me. the answer. I was just like, are these motherfuckers yeah. going to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> they might be pulling that. Yeah, that may be his thing. That I, may be why he asked me. Let like me it see. She's going to tell me the truth. things that he kind of already knows and mm-hmm. wants to see what I'm going to tell him. Yeah. But okay. Thank you. I, yeah. I guess we just got to sit down and get technical. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Just tell him the truth, honey. That's, that's, that's it. That, that is it. <laughs> the science of it. You know, you're a cool parent. I, I, I got to say. Thank you. Really, you. <laughs> you really are, you know, what you shared in that interview. You are a super cool parent. You got this. No problem. Thank so. you. I'm just out here trying yeah. <laughs> it's gonna go well it's gonna go well Melissa this yes. has been uh, an amazing hour and a half speaking with you I could talk to you for another hour and a half to be honest I can't believe we have so uh, in real life events again to see your lovely face yes. in person and <laughs> I can't either this is getting boring yeah, it's getting <laughs> But um, before we uh, wrap things up with you, what does the future look like for you? You know, what is what are some things that you're looking forward to when lockdown ends, when you're vaxxed and waxed and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. More, more, like I said, more local events, Um, getting back, you know, to the BBBs, giving more events. I I can't wait to have another part of live. Part of live is so fun. Shout out to you, Queen and Jess. I still love it. At, at, at 53 years old, I still love to go out and dance. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy that. And, it, and especially gay clubs. I ain't been to a straight club <laughs> since the 90s. That, that's you. Gay clubs would be superior, though. <laughs> what? I introduced my cousin who came out to me to a gay club. Oh. He had never wow. been to one. I introduced him to one. <laughs> and it, uh, yes. Because I had I had been on the scene for a while. <laughs> Once I was introduced to one gay club, it was like, this is where I'll be. This is yeah, this is home. Yeah, because yeah, I just I like I said I I love to dance and 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 I still do. Yeah, that that's what that looks like. You know, things opening back up and me retiring. That's yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Is there is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience or do you want people to follow you on social media or any of those kinds of things? They can follow me on Instagram. So I post some things up there sometimes. I'm at um being underscore Melly, mm-hmm. M-E-L-L-I mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mostly it's about my granddaughter and her shenanigans. She's yeah. just feeding a <laughs> white tiger the other day oh my God. in Mexico. So <laughs> living her best life. Go ahead, yes. baby. <laughs> yes. As far as sharing, I, I just want to say, uh, because I know, uh, I don't know, are you guys millennials or generation something? You millennials? Yeah, we're all okay. millennials. We're, yeah. Y'all got a bad rep from us as us, us older folks, okay? And I, I be having to check these these older folks with y'all. You know, okay. Be talking about you lazy and you know, you know, they just don't appreciate things in life. You're spoiled, this and that. Like, let me tell you something about the young people. If if it wasn't for the young people out here changing things, we would still have that Cheeto head in um 
as president <laughs> because it won't our asses out there on the front lines marching and out there getting people to register to vote. Things. This is you young people doing this. And I'm telling you, I wanted to share with you that you're doing a wonderful job, um, not only with podcasting, but with, like I said, putting these groups together. Um, I'm also in a, the Black Achievement Fund, mm-hmm. um, which is a bunch of young people. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm not finding things with 50 plus year olds, um, organizing any goddamn thing, mm. um, to advance and progress of the world that we live in now. It's you young people that's doing it. And as, and I've been asked for by a few young people at my job, they said, Miss Melissa, is there any hope for us dating in the future? I said, yes, it is. Because you got the opportunity now. Mm. You have all these teaching platforms now to learn from. I didn't have that. And also, I mean, they have my number. They can call me. You want to talk to me about something, um, things you're feeling? You got support. I didn't have that either. Yeah. You got all the support you need. You got therapists out here. Go, go see a therapist. Don't be ashamed. And, um, and love yourself. Love yourself so much that other people, you get on other people's nerves with it. You love yourself so <laughs> yes. much. I mean, seriously. Yes. You word. know, and that's, that's where the uh, better relationships are going to come. Yeah. You you don't you I was just telling my daughter today she was very overwhelmed. She's, you know, five months pregnant. She's having, you know, a bit of issues with the baby's father. I was like, you know, because of the way he is and the things that he won't do. She says he's very immature. I said, you know what you need to do is mind your business and worry about you and that baby. You know where he is. And his maturity and everything and how he's probably not going to do the right thing. Don't worry about it. Let it go. Love you. Do for you. And everything else, the universe is, is going to provide for you. It's, you know, you're going to manifest abundance just by loving yourself. So there is hope for, for dating and having a good time out here. But in the meantime, if you're not dating already, uh, we got too many, uh, Sex toy um, <laughs> websites out here. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. Get you something. I'm I don't care if you're male or female. We got plenty out here things to do. <laughs> whatever your genitals, there's it's, a sex right, toy whatever. for it. Whatever. <laughs> there's a toy <laughs> for it. And just enjoy your life. Get started now. Don't wait till you're 50 years old to start enjoying life. Let's get started now. That is really okay. good advice. That is thank a you word. very much. And honestly, <laughs> like, thank you. you for giving millennials and Gen Z their flowers and stuff like that. But I also want to give Gen X their flowers and stuff. Like, thank you. You maybe you weren't out there marching on the front lines and stuff like that, but like you took your experiences and you learned and you imparted that on your daughters. Like, there's no mm-hmm. inner. Mm-hmm. I'm getting emotional because my mom passed away. But like, there's no inner oh, whole uprising without my Gen X ass mom who was like, like, uh-huh. <laughs> bitch, live a free life, <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, yes. y'all did things, and we thank you for that. Yes. We give you your flowers. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> oh, that uh, has been so lovely. I love this episode. I can't wait for people to listen to it. Thank, thank you very you. much for joining us, Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> 
if this episode made you laugh, helped you learn something, made you feel good, made you question yourself in a good way, or positively moved you in any sense, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and let everyone you know know that you love these hoes. We appreciate all of you. Also, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can do so at Inaho Uprising without the G on Twitter, at Inaho Uprising with the G on Instagram and Facebook. Again, join our Facebook group by searching Inaho Uprising Community. That is C-U-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y. You can head over to InahoUprising.com to pay a hoe. You guys can again follow Melissa Melaho at being underscore Melly M-E-L-L-I on Instagram. You guys can follow me, Akua at Hey, Akua Girl, on Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, just about anywhere. And I am just about anywhere at Slam Rid. Have a lovely week because you all motherfucking deserve to. Bye. Bye. Bye.